0: Happy New Year, Countryside! Happy new year. Amen! God's doing great things. I really believe this is gonna be a blessed year in your life. God's getting ready to do more than you ever thought. And that video that you just saw is for a new series that we are starting next week. Pastor Glenn is gonna be bringing it, and it is going to be amazing. So, yeah, there is a new thing that is happening, not just in this world, not just in this church. I really believe there's a new thing happening in your life and how sometimes subtle little changes can make huge differences. So that's just a little teaser of what he's gonna be talking about next week. You don't want to miss that. But today, we get to kind of go back in time a little bit. And I want to start with a cool little Couplet of verses in Exodus chapter 15. It's one verse, but you'll see there's two parallel lines here. Exodus chapter 15, verse 3. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. It's kind of encouraging, isn't it? I want to give you the context of what this is talking about and see how it applies to our lives because it's really, really powerful. Something was going on at the time that this was written that not only was earth-shaking in its importance then, but continues to be today. Would you just pray with me as we lift up the Word of God together? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your Word You are so, so holy that you have brought to us this instruction for life and this wisdom that leads to you. We pray, Father, that as we delve into your word, that you would anoint our hearts like good soil to receive the seeds that are planted there. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Who's been to Epcot here? Like, uh, yeah, wow. Yeah, just about all of you. Well, a few years ago, they I think they have now closed this ride, but a few years ago, there was this Universe of Energy ride. Has anybody been on the Universe of Energy ride? Okay, four of you. So, so the rest of you, <laughs> you, you go into this big theater, and, and then you sit down in these rows of seats, and then... You know, this show starts and things darken, and then all of a sudden the seats start moving, like in your theater. And, and you're, you're like in this big car, like, if, you know, each of these sections just started moving and goes down. It was really cool. And you go back in time. I, I don't know if it was real, but you went back in time to the era of the dinosaurs, the dinosaur, I was so into dinosaurs when I was a kid. I was just like, was, that was my whole thing. So I love this ride going back in time. And that's what we're going to do a little bit here. So if you feel your seats start to move and, you know, go through, don't be nervous. That's all by design. So we're going to go back 3,400 years. And what's happening, 3,400, give or take, years ago, is the Israelites are headed to the promised land. So they had just been delivered from Egypt where they were in bondage for hundreds of years. And it was a terrible situation because the Pharaoh in Egypt uh, and the multiple Pharaohs in Egypt had aligned themselves against the people of Israel who had grown very numerous there. And one of the things, I mean, just watch Prince of Egypt, right? You, you, can, you can get this whole story. It's a great story. I don't know why I'm talking about Disney today. But yeah, but it's, it's really powerful because what happens is God delivers them out of not just bondage, but also death and chaos and demonic forces and brought 10 plagues, 10 words upon Egypt until finally they had to be let go. So... Moses is leading the people of Israel out of Egypt to this land that God had promised them. And they were led on a kind of an unusual route out of Egypt and towards the promised land, which was Canaan. And this route led to a sea. And called the Yam Suf, we call it the Red Sea today. So they're like, okay, there's a sea. I guess we're not gonna be going anywhere for a while. We're gonna camp out here. And then they begin to hear this rumble in the distance. Pharaoh had changed his mind. And it was the hoofbeats and the war chariots of the Egyptian army. And here they are, a sea (laughs) on one side and the strength of the Egyptian army coming from the other side. And this is where we pick it up in Exodus chapter 14, starting at verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians, marching after them. They were terrified. Can you identify? And they cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, You know, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? I mean, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Say still with me, oh man. That was their part, that was their role. This to be still, and this is something that I notice in this passage, and I think we can that we can take to heart. There's a principle here: is that sometimes, this is your first point in your notes. Sometimes, when we want panic, God invites peace. He invites peace, doesn't He? We're like, this is it. There's no way out. This is an impossible situation. And that's what the Israelites were feeling. They were like, this is the worst. And then what do they do? They blame Moses, you know? So, what'd what you do? You just brought us out here to be slaughtered. We, obviously, we can't cross the sea here. And we, I mean, we've got our elderly, we've got our families, we've got all our goods, our livestock. You know, where are we going to go there? And we can't fight this army. We're totally unprepared. We're a bunch of settlers. Life of bondage. It's better than being murdered in the desert. It's your fault, Mo. (laughs) So have you ever felt like you were kind of trapped in a situation where... So this last week, my family and I were so blessed to be able to stay and in a friend's cabin in Tennessee. And it was like the most amazing, beautiful trip. It was fantastic. We had fun on the drive up, fun on the drive back. We had fun while we were there. It was so peaceful. Kids got to see their first snow. I, really, it, you're like, we're Floridians. It was, first snow, it was beautiful. And I remember one day, where so we are gonna go to Gatlinburg this day, so. We get in the car and we leave the cabin and we go down. Oh, it was really cool. The real, the snow was still there and turning to ice. So we went down the steep icy hill and no, it was good. And then we went, you know, drove through the forests and went to Gatlinburg where it was more crowded than Disney World, but but <laughs> we drove back and it's dark now and and you know, we're just excited about turning on the fireplace and and drove through the woods and drove up the icy hill, partway, <laughs> up the icy hill. And something happened that I've never experienced before. I'm a, I'm a Florida boy. Is the car stopped going forward <laughs> and began to go backwards. And I, I'm like, There's something must be wrong. So... We ke- I kept trying. And I'm like, what, what's going on here? This dumb car? <laughs> so we went skiing in the car. <laughs> <laughs> but here, here we were, right? We've got this icy, impassable thing over here ahead of us. And behind us, there is a drop, <laughs> you know, and I was just like, no, I'm gonna try again, I'm gonna try again. And my family is urging wisdom of some kind, but I'm like, well, what am I gonna do? And then peace eventually <laughs> came over me. And I'm like, you know, there's a grassy spot here by the hill on the side that's next to the steep drop off. And I just parked the car there. And it's only 1,000 feet to the cabin. So we got out and walked up the hill and the Lord guided us and there were bear tracks, you know, but <laughs> he preserved us and we made it. But the, the idea is I had to let go, you know, of what my two-wheel drive Honda was not going to accomplish and trust in the Lord. And, yeah, we made it just fine to the cabin. The car was fine the next day. but. Every seemingly impossible situation, it's an invitation to trust God, right? Do something different. It's, maybe He's got a different way than we were expecting. This is exactly what's going to happen to the Israelites. They had no idea what was ahead for them. Because human inclination is sometimes, it's just okay, I'm just going to check out the situation, I'm checking out. Or to self destruct, or cast blame on somebody else. <laughs> Maybe all three, but God's way is to be still. God's way is to stand, to, to live in the amen. Amen is like steadiness, to live there and let God make a way when there seems to be no way. Even if it's walking up the ice in your tennis shoes, we don't know anything about ice boots. No, it was fine. It was fine, because this is what I've noticed in life, is fear tends to cast blame. Fear casts blame. But God, this is in your notes, God builds courage. And when you have courage, there's no need to cast blame on somebody else. The Israelites were casting blame on Moses because they were terrified. You know how I know they were terrified? Because it says there, they were terrified. (laughs) That's how I know. Let's let's read more of this story. Verse 19. Then the angel of God, that's a whole thing we should talk about sometimes. The angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. Take notice of that. And the pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. Coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. And throughout the night, the cloud, I love verse 20. It's, we're not going to talk about it now, but... Somebody remind me when you take the Genesis class with me that we need to talk about this and how it relates to Genesis chapter one. Because it does, it's an intentional link. Throughout the night, the cloud brought the darkness to one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. And it continues this link to Genesis one. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with what? A strong east wind. And the word for wind there is the same word for spirit. Same Hebrew word. And turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. And the Israelites, look at this. Look what happens here. The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Now, I know when we watch the movies and we hear about this and we think, whoa, did you see fish in the wall? This is amazing. And it was. This is amazing. But I want you to notice what happened back in verse 19, how the angel of the Lord withdrew and went behind them and the pillar of cloud went between them and the Egyptian army. You see, God's got your back. God's got your back. He put Himself between His people and the forces of darkness. Now imagine if these Israelites had said something along the lines of, God, I've got this. You know, I'll just swim. Don't break a sweat, God. I've got some sand here and a stick. I I can defeat the Egyptians. (laughs) Because, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. Of course he will, that is not in the Bible. I just want you to know, it is not in the Bible. God gave these Israelites more than they could handle. He does this all over the Bible, you know why? So then stop trying to handle it and give it to him. It is, I'm telling you, it is nowhere in the Bible that God won't give you more than you will handle. He often does because we're not designed to handle certain things. We're designed to trust in him and see what he will do and live in relationship with him and watch as God handles things that are impossible for us. Impossible situations are opportunities to turn things over to God. I mean, we we want to handle things ourselves because it makes us feel good and important. I know, I understand, I'm human. But then that teaches us not to trust God, doesn't it? It's false that God won't give you more than you can handle because he loves us, he is merciful, and he wants to show us how with his powerful hand he will do things that we could never do. In your notes, God will give you more than you can handle, so you will let him handle it. You will let him handle it. So, just reviewing the situation so far, why is it that God parted the Red Sea? Well, because of his unfailing love. For whom did God perform that rescue? For the redeemed. You starting to get this, how it applies here? How did God perform this rescue? He did it in his guiding strength. And and where was this whole rescue heading? Well, to his holy dwelling. This This is, so a song was sung by Moses and then by his sister Miriam immediately following this. And in the song that Moses sang, That's where we get Exodus chapter 15, verse 13, that we read at the beginning here. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. So, uh, this is what I've noticed in the Bible, and I think what's supposed to notice in our lives is what sometimes we think of as the end of the road. It's not. The end of the road, it's often just the beginning. It's just the beginning in our lives. So, spoiler alert, I'll tell you the rest of the story. Remember Pharaoh's army, the Egyptian army? The forces of chaos that were on their way to slaughter God's people? Remember them? They didn't make it. You can read about it. The same sea that they wanted to use to entrap the Israelites was the very trap they laid for themselves. This is what our spiritual enemies, forces of darkness, spiritual forces of chaos, are doing. The thing the traps that they're laying for God's people and for the vulnerable, for the lowly, for the oppressed those are the very traps that they are setting for themselves. I'm talking about demons here. What seemed like a dead end, it was just the beginning. It was just the beginning. So uh, <laughs> there was a young girl. And I want you to know as I tell this story that I had a conversation with her and we talked about all the details here so that, so if, if there's anything I say, is so, should he say that? We've cleared it, okay? We've cleared this. There's this young girl who now goes to this church, but at the time she was 12 years old. Something very bad happened in her life. Her mom died. And as you know, 12 years old is probably the worst time in your life to lose your mom, especially if you're a young lady. And it seemed like life was crushing her and her family. Our father is a hero. I mean, he heroically raised her and her twin sister. But this young woman... Obviously, was deeply, deeply affected and wounded. This was not the end of the road for her, however. This was just the beginning. This message is called God's Next Move, so I wanna tell you that God had a next move in her life. You, if you had met her she's a teenager, as she's in her 20s, even now, you meet her and you think, oh, oh, she is very shy. She might be the shyest person I have ever met in my life. And you could, if you had a conversation with her, it would go something like this. She'd walk up to you and kind of look at you like this. Say, hi, how are you? <laughs> Fine. Well, God was getting ready to do powerful things this young woman's life. So one of the things, of course, is she loves numbers, naturally. She went to school, got her degree in accounting. She's the church's staff accountant. She's amazingly gifted. But you know what? God's next move was, the king of kings had another move in her life. She was just praying one night and she felt the Lord was saying, "Get, get yourself some drumsticks. And so she got some drumsticks and she just carried them around with her wherever she went, you know, put them in her purse, took them with her. And she's like, there's gotta be a reason I'm carrying these drumsticks around. So she went to the youth worship leader at the time and, and said, hi. <laughs> and he was like, hey, what's up? Uh, she's like, I think I'm supposed to play drums. He's like, oh, awesome, we, we could use you. How, how long have you been playing? <laughs> Never." <laughs> oh, well, you know... This is great, um, but you might want to get some lessons. (laughs) Okay. So she went. She started taking lessons. It was very frustrating. At one point, she took those drumsticks and threw them out in her front yard. (laughs) Left them there overnight. They were still there in the morning. Within a year, she was playing drums on stage because apparently God had another move King had another move in her life. Yeah, I... And you see her right now. She's on stage. Emily's her drummer. He turns deep sadness into dancing. Out of the ashes of a life that was seemingly burnt to the ground like Emily's, he grows beauty. Out of the shame of brokenness, he brings glorious wholeness. You look for a grave, and he's going to show you a garden. You look for dry bones in the desert, and out of that, he's going to build a kingdom. And when you can go no further because an ocean is blocking the way, you ask the redeemed of Israel what God can do. And when you can go no further, that's only God's next move. So would you stand with me now as we stand before the King of Kings who has another move to worship with me? there anything he can't do have a seat because god's got another move here <laughs> there was this great world chess champion his name was paul morphy paul morphy in the 19th century an american and this minister in the city in louisiana found out that paul morphy had just bought a home in that neighborhood. And this minister was so excited because he was also like the head of the local chess club, (laughs) which they took very seriously. And so he invited Paul Morphy to have dinner with him and the chess club members, these seven gentlemen. And Paul Morphy accepted. And there they are in the parlor Paul Murphy looks up and he sees this painting on the wall. It's a copy of a famous painting. He says, that's interesting. And the minister said, oh, you like it? It's by Friedrich Wretch." He says, uh, we've nicknamed it, Checkmate. Often I'll bring young men from the church, young women, sit them in the parlor and we will chat and we'll look at this painting, and it's a great illustration of being very careful about your choices in life. Because look at this young man, and those chess pieces in front of him are the virtues, and he's made some poor choices. And there's the devil across from him. The devil with the vices has just totally commanded the young man's life. And you can see this angelic figure in the background looking like, oh no, it's all over for him. And look at the devil laughing, a spider crawling up the table. It's checkmate, it's all over. Be careful about your choices. Anyway, the party moved on and went into the dining room, but Paul Morphy just stood there in the parlor looking at this painting. And the minister came out and said, are you joining us? He said, you know, I think you need to find a new nickname for this painting. The minister said, what do you mean? He said, it's not checkmate. The king has another move. <laughs> well, what do you mean? It's almost over. I said, Get me a chessboard. And together they laid out the chess pieces exactly like this painting. And the chess master challenged all seven of the members of this club with exactly the situation, almost impossible to beat him, all seven lost to the master. I think Friedrich Rich knew exactly what he was painting. The devil's not laughing, the devil's worried. Look at his expression. He's hoping the young man doesn't figure this out. The angel is disappointed that the, man is, the young man is trying to handle this all himself. But the reality of the situation is that the king has another move. And in the hands of the master, The game is far, far from over. Look at your life. I think there may be people in this room today who are like, well, I've made my bed. I guess I have to lie in it. There's no more hope for me. The king has another move. I think there are people who are saying, well, my personality is just is what it is. Can't change me now. I'm stuck in my ways. Just have to live with it. The king has another move. The people are like, I'm in an impossible situation. I don't see any way out of this situation that I'm in right now. Well, you know what? The king has another move in your life. Put your life in the hands of the master. You watch what he does. Watch what he does. Would you just bow your heads with me for a moment? Close your eyes, nobody looking around. There's a great move that the king played on the enemy. unforeseen, powerful, earth-shaking, cosmos-shattering. He bonded himself with humanity, became a man and a person of his own son, and for all people who would come to him and call on his name, he exchanged his life for ours. He died on that cross, taking all our debt away, becoming the perfect sacrifice, all the penalties that we would have had to pay ourselves, he cleared them on the cross. He made a way for you and for me to simply call on his father's name and call on the name of Jesus and that we would find new life and new relationship with him. So no matter what's going on in this life, to anyone who calls the name of the Lord, there is an eternity of joy and relationship with God that awaits. A king always has another move. So if this is you today and you're saying, you know what, I've never quite heard it this way before, and maybe I thought that I had to earn it, I had to make the right choices, and this whole business of surrendering and God giving me this as a gift is never connected with me before, but starting to connect with me now, and Pastor Tim, I'd like you to pray for me. Please, keep me in your prayers. If that's you today, with nobody looking around, I'm gonna count to three. You just raise your hand, as soon as I see you can put it right back down. One, two, three. Just raise your hand, thank you, yes, I see your hand. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, yes. Yeah, I see your hands, thank you. Thank you, sir, thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Father, I pray for those who raised their hands and those who wanted to. I pray, Father, that this would be a new day in their life, that you would take over this chessboard and their circumstances, their heart, and you would make your move, Lord. And I pray that you would soften hearts and turn those who raise their hands, that their situations completely around, that you can use them powerfully in the lives of other people. For the sake of those who raise their hands, I, w- I want to invite you, if you raise your hand there, to pray with me this prayer. I'll pray, you can pray right after me. I' like everyone in the room to join you so you're not praying alone. And if you pray this prayer, meaning it in your heart, you're calling out in the name of the Lord, the Bible says that those who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. So this is your birthday, spiritually. It's a new day in your life. Would you just pray after me? Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I know I've done wrong, but you sent your Son to die for me. Forgive me my sins. Give me new life, and I make you Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, and my God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Is God good? He's good. So if you would stand with me one more time, we're going to have a New Year's blessing. This is so exciting to be in 2023. I really believe this is gonna be a very powerful year. You're gonna see God do something in your life that you never expected. It's gonna be a huge blessing to you. But I wanna say a blessing over you. As as the Altar Prayer team members come to the the front, I also wanna invite, if you raised your hand or prayed that prayer for the first time and you'd like prayer, please come see one of these altar prayer team members. And we have a a book we want to give you also to help you start this journey. It's a free book. But if you want prayer for any reason after I say this blessing, please feel free to come up. That's, That's what they're here for. To love on you, to pray for you, to intercede for you. So to receive your blessing right now, if you just open up your hearts to him, maybe turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. May the Lord bless this new year in your life. May you be a blessing to others this year. May every circumstance, he show that path of dry ground in your life so that no matter what the forces of chaos may be doing behind you or beside you, that in front of you, There is joy in the Lord. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May you know the King has another move in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. We love you, church. Happy New Year to you.